The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In the last couple of messages in our Kingdom of God series, we were looking at what happens when Jesus returns. Article 8 of our Articles of Faith deals with the second coming of Jesus and asserts that when Jesus returns, there will be a universal resurrection and a general judgment. Last time we talked about the fact that we're living in the Kingdom and that our great hope is for Jesus to come back and deliver up that kingdom. He's not going to come back in some bifurcated way, not some two-stage second coming. Rather, he's coming back to wrap up this world and to burn it up with fervent heat and take us home to be with him. There's no millennial reign. There's no intervening period of time. When Jesus comes back, that's it, and praise God that it is. Today, we get a little more specific about his second coming and what happens. But first, we have to deal with what happens when we die. And that's the focus of the first half of this message that we're posting today. What happens when we die physically in this world? We're going to learn that our spirits go immediately to be with Jesus, and our bodies rest in the ground until the resurrection. Join us today for this topic of what happens when we die, and join us tomorrow as we then look at what happens when Jesus returns. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
chapter 1 and verse 10, after Jesus has ascended up into heaven, we read the following. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. As you know, we've been preaching through our articles of faith, and we are now on the last article of faith, Article 8, which says that we believe in a resurrection of the dead and a general judgment, and that the felicity of the righteous and the punishment of the wicked will be eternal. Now, don't feel bad if you don't know what felicity means. I didn't either. I looked it up, but it just means joy. <laughs> it's an old-fashioned way of saying joy. But you'll notice in this article of faith, we don't read about some complicated end times. We don't read about some eschatology, which is just a fancy way of saying end times, that talks about some bifurcated return of Christ, some how he's coming part of the way one time and all the way the next time, and, and then there's some intervening millennial reign or anything like that. It's just a simple statement that we believe in a resurrection of the dead and a general judgment. And that's how simple it is. We started talking about that a couple of weeks ago when we first started dealing with this article of faith. And I want to follow this up today by talking a little more specifically about what happens when the Lord comes back. Now, remember we said that all of our articles of faith, Article Three, we believe in the doctrine of election, predestination, and the final perseverance of the saints through grace. We, Article 4, we believe in the doctrine of original sin and the impotency of man's recovery in and of himself. Article 5, we believe that sinners are justified only in the sight of God by the imputed righteousness of Christ. Article 6, we believe that God's elect shall be called and regenerated and sanctified by the Holy Ghost. All of those doctrinal statements are leading us up to this final statement, which is the greatest hope that a child of God has. Some of you know I had a little issue this morning on the farm. Very frustrating, very difficult. I almost didn't get to church on time. Some of you know how that is, <laughs> how difficult things can be. Things don't go right all the time. And as aggravating and frustrating as it was prompting me to be, I kept thinking about what the Lord had been leading me to preach on today, which is that the resurrection is coming. And it just might have come this morning between the time I took a look at the first well that went out and the third well that went out on the farm. You ever thought about that? When you're dealing with problems, when you're struggling, I mean, I don't always. I confess to you, I don't always. My wife will tell you there are times when I deal with any kind of issue like that, any kind of problem like that, and I come back all out of sorts. And I really wasn't feeling great this morning, but I kept thinking about the fact that we could not even have to worry about getting to church this morning. The Lord could be coming back before church started. Listen, I got good news for y'all. <laughs> Y'all may not have to endure my preaching for another 30 minutes or so because the Lord may come back before then. <laughs> now, I don't even want to hear too many amens about that. But anyway, uh, I'm telling you, this is the great hope of the child of God. 
Is it in the middle of all the troubles of life that God has set a time when he is coming back to get us? And I don't want you to be afraid of that or to be worried about that, to be frightened by that, because that's quite frankly a lot of what you read about in the world. In the religious world out there, the return of Christ is so complicated. You know, and, and one thing we said last time is that think about how simple things are in the kingdom of God. Simplicity reigns. It's a simple message. It's so simple a child can understand it. It says that Jesus saved his people from their sins, period, end of story. That's simple. My children understand that. Little baby, little, little children, when they first start learning things, they can understand that. Look at the worship that we do here. Look at how we worship. It's simple. There's no complications. We don't, we don't have to separate our children out and divide them up and put them in certain classes and move them up and take them out and all this stuff. We don't have to hire music directors, choir leaders, piano players. It's just preaching, praying, and singing. It's a simple worship. And yet, we are led to believe that when it comes to the end times, it's so complicated you have to have a doctor of divinity degree to understand it. That's not the way it is, child of God. And I want to, so we talked about that last time, about how simple it is. The Lord's coming back and he will deliver. He said in, uh, over in uh, Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom. People are talking about a kingdom coming down. I hear about a kingdom being delivered up. We're in that kingdom. We talked about that last time. But now today, I want us to talk about a little more specifically what happens, first of all, when we die, because we need to understand that in order to understand what happens when Christ returns. So let's go there this morning, and you don't have to turn there because you could probably quote it, but over in the 23rd chapter of Luke, about the 43rd verse, that's the account of Jesus and the thief on the cross. And you remember those two thieves were hanging there, both of them were cursing him and mocking him, and then, then the Holy Spirit got a hold of one of them. And he began to, to make statements of faith that can only come from a regenerated heart. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And you remember what Jesus said unto him, verily. You know, now Jesus doesn't have to say verily in order for it to be true. But when he says verily, he's making sure you understand that this very much is true. <laughs> verily, I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Paradise. Paradise was a, uh, a word that denoted heaven and, and still does. We still talk about paradise. Notice that there was no limbo. There was no purgatory. There was no soul sleeping in the ground until the resurrection. He simply said, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's what happens when we die. That's what happens. We simply go to be with Jesus in spirit. Our spirits leave the body. And, and this is a truth that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. All the way back in the Old Testament, we're taught that death is a release of our spirits. Back in Genesis chapter 25. Notice in chapter 25, in verse 8, this is talking about the death of Abraham. It says, Then Abraham gave up the ghost, there's his spirit being dismissed, and died in a good old age, so giving up the ghost means to die, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. 
He was gathered to his people. We read about Isaac in chapter 35. We read about Jacob in chapter 49 that was gathered unto his people. Now, some say, well, that means he was buried in the, in the family cemetery plot. <laughs> well, that, you might could argue that with Abraham. You might could argue that even with Isaac. But what about old Jacob? Jacob wasn't buried in the family cemetery plot. He was in Egypt. He wasn't buried for another 400 years. His body was embalmed in Egypt and he was taken back to the land of Canaan about 350 to 400 years later to be buried. See, it's not talking about burial. It's talking about being gathered unto his people. Moses, we're told in Numbers, the 27th chapter, that God told Moses, you get up on the mountain, you go see the land that I've given to y'all as a, as a nation. But when you've seen it, he says, thou also, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother was gathered. Moses' body has never been found. Nobody knows where Moses is buried. God buried him. Not talking about burial, it's talking about the spirit going to be where the spirits of all of God's children have always gone to be when they die. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 19, look with me just for a moment here at that. This gives us another little Old Testament insight into what happens at death. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse uh, 19 He's talking about death. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they all have one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast for all his vanity. Remember now the focus is under the sun. Without a consideration for what's uh, beyond this life. This is where he's talking about things are vanity. But notice, all go into one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. Now he's talking about the body there. That's what happens to these bodies. When I die, my body will be buried out here, Lord willing, and then it will decay. And if the Lord tarries, eventually it'll go back to nothing but dust. But notice this, in verse 21, who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward? And the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. Notice what happens to the spirit. The spirit of man goeth upward, you see. There's a difference, even in the Old Testament, that it was taught that when, our, when we die, our spirits go to be with where our fathers are. They go to be with the Lord. And, and there's no soul sleep taught in the Word of God, by the way. That, that, word, that, that was a little heresy that went around even among our people some years ago that said that, well, when you die, your spirit just sleeps in the ground with the body until the resurrection, that your soul sleeps. But that's not what we're taught. You see, in the Old Testament, it was taught, I think, clearly, but it was really taught clearly in the New Testament. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's just see what God prompted the Apostle Paul, inspired the Apostle Paul to write about death. In first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul says, For we know that if, the, if, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Now, the fact that he's talking about this body is borne out if you go back to chapter 4 and you read about 
all the troubles he had, and that the, he's talking in the last part of that about feigning not, because our outward man is perishing, but our inward man is renewed. There's a difference in the outward man and the inward man. The outward man is perishing. I mean, I've said this so many times, you ought to be able to quote it yourselves, that uh, uh, I'm not getting better and better. <laughs> and I think if you, if you look at your life, you're not getting better and better. You're like, you know, as a young child, you kind of think there's a time when you're, you know, you're waxing, you're getting bigger and better and all. And there may be some truth to that, but the real truth is, is that the moment you're born, you begin to die. The moment you're born, you're born, you're headed toward the grave. These bodies are not going to get better and better. So, so he says, but if this earthly house of this tabernacle, this body is dissolved, we have a building of God a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And, and just for the lack of time, let's just skip down a little bit. He talks about how that we groan earnestly desiring to be in that new body, that new man. But down in verse 6 is what I really want to get to. He says, therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So the body is a home. For a temporary period of time. We are at home in the body. But notice, we is something that's more than the body. We are not just this body. What's the real us is down inside this body. That's that new man, that regenerated man that dwells in this house of clay. And he says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And boy, is that not true? The older we get and the worse our bodies get, don't we have to walk more and more by faith and not by sight? In verse 8, he says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So what he's saying here is this. That real you, that you that has been created, a new creation that is down housed in this body, one day will be released from this body. And as we're going to see shortly, that's something even greater is waiting for us. But the moment we die, our spirit is released from this body and our spirit goes to be with the Lord. Because when we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. Now, I don't want to belabor this point too much, but if you go back over to Luke chapter 16, we read there something that I do not believe is a parable. I do not believe this is a parable. I believe this is an actual story, an actual account. Luke chapter 16, and we won't read the whole thing, but notice in verse 19, we're told there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And, and here we don't have a parable. It's not a made-up story. No, Jesus would make up stories sometimes to prove a point, like the parable of the sower and the seeds, the parables of the mustard seed. All those are parables. They're, they're fictional accounts that teach us something, uh, but that Jesus himself made up and, and, and tells us, usually tells us what it means. Here, I don't believe this is a parable. This is a real account. There was a certain rich man, and there was a certain beggar. And I want you to notice what happened. It says in verse 22, it came to pass 
that the beggar died. So now we have an account of someone who actually died and look what happened to him and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham's bosom, if you do just a little research, you'll, you'll find this out, but that was a Jewish idiom for the place of reward, the place for heaven. It was a Jewish way to speak of heaven. This was not some holding pen somewhere. This is not some place, as I was taught one time by a couple of preachers, down under the earth or somewhere like that. This is heaven itself. Because remember, when Abraham died, he was gathered to his fathers. His fathers were already there, the bosom of Abraham. You know, and the idea here, by the way, is, is of almost like sitting in his lap, you know. And it's just a sweet, you know, we, we hear about the sunny shores of sweet deliverance, you know. That's kind of what we call the sweet by and by. That's what we call heaven sometimes. Well, what the, the Jews called heaven in that day, the Pharisees particularly, they called it Abraham's bosom. Abraham's sitting in the lap of Abraham, you see. So notice what happened. The beggar died and was carried by the angels. Now, I don't know, I don't have all the answers about what happens at death. But I'm convinced, and I hope, I don't know if you've ever been at the side of a loved one when they passed away, but I have several times. I'm convinced I'm in the presence of angels. I'm convinced. Here we see angels, plural. That tells me at least two angels. It may be two legions of angels. I don't know. But at least two angels came to this beggar's side and bore his spirit away to the bosom of Abraham. His body stayed there. And later we see right next, the next phrase, the rich man also died and was buried. You know, the bodies stay here. But Lazarus was born to the bosom of Abraham. And, and then if you keep reading, we read about what happened to the rich man. The rich man was clearly not a child of God. Lazarus was. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torments. You see, at the death of the reprobate, at the death of the wicked, they also, their spirits also go immediately to the place of torment. This is not a holding pen either. This is hell. This is eternal hell. And by the way, we're going to see that there's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a general judgment. And right now, the spirits of those that have died are in hell. And the spirits of God's children that are, have died are in heaven. But one day, the bodies will join them, you see. But notice what happened. The rich man died and was buried in hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. These were sentient spirits. They, they knew what they were looking at. And by the way, they knew each other. Or, well, the rich man knew Lazarus. I believe Paul tells us we'll know as we are known. I, I don't believe in this idea that you won't know each other in heaven. You won't know each other like you know each other here and now. But we'll know who we are. He said, you'll know as you're known. But we'll just be like Christ. We're not going to be clones of Christ. We're going to be like ourselves. We're going to look a whole lot better than we look now. <laughs> Some of you look pretty good. I know, I know what I look like. I saw myself this morning in the mirror. But I'm going to look good one day. <laughs> I'm going to look good one day. I'm going to be satisfied with the way I look one day. My hair's not going to be falling out, you know. I'm not going to be overweight. I'm not going to be out of shape. I'm going to be satisfied. I can't wait for that. So, to summarize, 
when we die, the body stays in the earth and the spirit goes to be with God. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.